You're listening to the Moms Working Overtime podcast, the community of women you've been searching to find for so long. We bring together our mamas in waiting, brand new moms, stay-at-home moms, working moms, and the moms who maybe just have a little bit more experience than the rest of us. We're all here for community, support, and finding ways to show up better for our families each and every day. I'm so grateful that you're here, and I hope you love what you find on today's episode. Welcome back to the Moms Working Overtime podcast. We're super excited to have you here for our Thursday interview series. And I don't know, I get excited every single week, just more and more excited about all these guests that we're bringing on because I'm getting to grab some of the mamas that I love so much and I've learned so much from, and I get to share them with you all. And today I'm sharing someone that has become not only just a colleague and someone that I've collaborated with in the health industry, but girlfriend is stuck with me now as a friend. (laughs) So I am excited to bring you my friend Allie today. And we have a really, really special episode, a little bit of a unique approach today, because what you'll notice us do in today's episode with the topic being adoption is I spoke with Allie before we started our interview, and we're going to keep a lot about her family anonymous on purpose just to protect them. Still a very new experience for them and want their family to have some privacy, obviously, as they continue to settle in. Allie, I know it's just new thing after new thing every time you get comfortable (laughs) with what's happening in life. But today, I'm so excited. I'm going to let her introduce herself. You guys, this is Allie. Hello. I am so excited to be here. I was super pumped when Elena asked me. Well, I was pumped, but I was also nervous and scared because I'm very bad at public speaking. So I'm going to try to not get off topic too much because I tend to ramble. But all right. My name is Allie. I am from a little small town in um, southeastern Ohio. I am a mama to a little boy of nine months. Um, I'm married to my best friend. We have also three dogs and... Yeah, I own a personal training studio. I do one-on-one training, group training, but it is nice being able to be my own boss. So I love that. It kind of gives me a lot of control over my own life and, you know, having kids and stuff. So just a little- Actually, it's so funny because for everyone that's listening, I reached out to Allie when I made this big jump in my own life because, you know, life has been a series of big jumps, leaving healthcare, going into health and fitness industry, then leaving my safe corporate job to go into business for myself. And I reached out to Allie because she just masters the chaos so well. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? How is this actually going to work? I don't know if I master the chaos. I guess you don't see my life minute to minute. But I just I go with the flow. I'm not as type A as you. So I don't have to have every little detail scheduled out for the day. If I did, my life would definitely be chaos. So go with the flow. I'm proud of me lately, Allie. We just we go with the flow. We ride the waves. (laughs) It it helps. It does help. But I'm just so excited for you to be here. And honestly, I'm so appreciative, so humbled that you'll come on and share your story. There's No one that I think is better suited for just talking on the topic of adoption, just helping everyone understand what that process even looks like. If you don't go through it, I honestly feel like all the listeners are probably just like me and they're so clueless to what happens behind the scenes or how long this process can be. So we're going to dive into anything and everything related to Allie's adoption story today. But you all know before we start any podcast, first we talk about who we were before we were moms and that identity and what got us here and what really, like Allie and I talked about, what really built the strength and resilience that makes us good moms. So my girl, Allie, who were you before motherhood? Oh boy. That is, it's like an easy question, but it's also a hard question. I I, I don't even know where to start. Like, do I start like from the very beginning? Do I think so? I think we start from the beginning with your story. Yeah. So When I was about 14, um, my mom sat me down and basically told me I couldn't have kids, told me I was born without a uterus. It's called, and I should have like mastered the name before I got on here. Um, I call call it MRKH. It's like Mayor Rochinsky something Hauser syndrome, right? And it's like a very random thing that happens. One in every like 10,000 women, it just happens. It's like 
if a baby's born without an arm, it's like, you're just born without the uterus. And, you know, she was really, really upset. And I, at that point in life, obviously didn't understand the concept. I understood the concept, but not the, you know, later in life, how's it going to affect me? So I was just like, okay, you know, I don't have a period. That's awesome. I don't got to deal with all of that. Right. So I think that's kind of the start of like, how I looked into having kids. So my whole life, I didn't want them. I couldn't have them. So I just assumed I was never going to have them. I didn't care to have them. I loved my nieces and nephews. I have eight of them. That's going to be enough for me, blah, 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 blah. So probably what was that? 2015, I lost both my parents. I lost my mom in December to, we don't know, maybe a heart attack. And then I lost my dad in the next February to lung cancer. So it was very, very hard. And I don't even, like, I can remember that whole period. I was an alcoholic. I ate a lot. I still worked out. Listen, I've been a basketball player, a health and fitness person my entire life. I still worked out every day. I would go run, but I would drink myself, eat myself. I gained probably 20 or 30 pounds. Very, very very, very sad, had a very bad outlook on other people's relationships with their parents. I would get very mad when someone would have a bad relationship because I'm like, you guys are lucky to even have them there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I look at it now and there's two paths I could have taken. A path of pity me, pity me for the rest of my life, being a very negative person. Hey, I had all this bad stuff happen to me. Why not? You know? I have an excuse to be this, this. No one would have blamed you. Yep. But my dad was a very spiritual person and I'm like, he would not want me to be like that. So I, I saw a picture of myself. So there was this big country festival that always happened in our hometown. And I saw a picture of myself from it. And I was like, what, who am I? You know, like I looked at that picture and I was like, who am I? So I kind of started getting myself back on track And I started trying to be more positive, having a better outlook. Like there's worse things that could have happened. There's worse things that people go through. You know, there's always worse things and you can't let that define your life. You can't let these little things define your life. And so I got back on track. Then I met my husband (laughs) and I had met him years before, not years before, probably a year before he was the gym manager at the gym. I worked out in. had a crush on him forever. (laughs) He's if you knew him, he's like the most personable, like nice. He's definitely good looking in shape because he works out. Um, but he was in a relationship at the time. And I was like, you know what? Like I'm too old for do to do anything, whatever. Um, and then it just kind of happened. We, you know, things broke off with them and we just kind of got together and I always tell him that he saved me because he was always that person to just keep me grounded and like not let me pity myself and really helped me out of the issues that I had from, you know, my parents. And obviously you still deal with those every single day, but it's something that you have to change the way you look at it. You know, what's that quote? If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yes. Yes. It, it, it was one of those things I try to live by a quote like that. So after Kyle and I met, we dated for probably, what, five, five years, I think. We got married in 2020, right in the middle of COVID. That's another story. But And then we met. We met right as you were getting married is when our friendship started. I remember yes. that because when we met, I thought, oh, my gosh, her wedding pictures are so pretty. Oh, thanks. Well, we changed everything at the last minute. I literally replanned my wedding in like three weeks. <laughs> it was insane, but it was COVID. I didn't have a job. I'm like, Hey, I got all the time in the world. Right. And I was like, I'm not waiting another year to marry this man. So <laughs> we got married, but before marriage, we, you know, and I think COVID being together all the time, we had a lot of good conversations, conversations that Kyle knew I couldn't have kids and he was okay with that. He's someone I can't explain it. So he's so hard to explain. Like he just goes with the flow. He doesn't overthink things. He doesn't ever worry about things. He's so stress-free. And like I said, he's so personable, but like he was okay with that. And that's something I always told people if I saw a future with them, because I think that's really important for 
your partner to know before you get too deep into it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, cause I've had, I had a relationship in the past where that was a deal breaker, you know, and I'm thankful now that that happened. Cause then I met Kyle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he knew that, well, we were going into marriage and, you know, we sat down and we were talking and I'm like, listen, you have to be okay with it. If I want kids, like I was getting to that point where I was like feeling like something was missing all my friends were starting to have kids. I stopped wanting to go out all the time. And, you know, all my nieces and nephews were getting older. I just knew what I was going to want. I knew I was getting to that point where I was ready to have kids. So we had that conversation. He said, yeah, you know, I, I'll, whatever you want to do is fine. We'll figure it out. So we got married, blah, blah, blah. So Probably from when we got married to November of 2021, every, not every day, but that's all I thought about. How do I have a baby? So we started by going to a fertility clinic. I didn't even know if I had eggs. Like I didn't know if I had ovary. I mean, obviously I had ovaries because I didn't ever have to take hormones or anything. So we started by going there, you know, and I was so... I was so mad at this doctor, not mad, but you go in and you talk to this doctor, right? And he's like, oh, like you're in good health and you're young. Like you, you know, you'll be fine. You're going to have a lot of follicles, blah, blah, blah. Well, we go in and he's like, oh, you don't have very many follicles. And I just wanted to be like, yeah, dude, like I could have told you that. I was just so mad because he was so positive. And I'm like, don't do that to people, you know, that's what you say, because you really don't know. You you ride the wave of that promise when something like that is said. And I think it's such an emotional process anyways. So then you go home and I know that you just think about that, like ruminate on it. Right. Because after I got that, hey, you don't have very many follicles. He saw eggs. He's like, if you want to do this, you need to do it sooner than later. And so I got Kyle in there. They tested him. He was fine. And this was to have a surrogate. So that was our first step. You know, all of this was, didn't cost anything, right? I mean, it might've cost like a couple hundred bucks. So we find that out. And then I start looking into surrogacy and I love my sister to death. I asked her to carry my kid. She said no. And I respect her decision. You know, she's had a rough, she's had three kids. She's had a rough go around. She was going through a divorce. So I went to like look into surrogacy, talk to some agencies and stuff. And the price was so astronomical, but I was still trying to figure out how to do it. $200,000 to go through surrogacy. That's if insane. You, if you didn't have somebody willing to do it basically for free. How and much of that do you think actually goes to the surrogate? So I actually know somebody that was a surrogate and about, you know, and obviously with inflation and prices increasing, it could be a little bit more now, but I would say about 50 grand of that goes to the surrogate. And you have to obviously pay for all their medical visits, all of that stuff, which normally insurances pay for. Mm -hmm. But I was like, how do I make this happen? For months, we talked to people. I'm like, we could do a loan. We could do this. I could get a loan from my uncle. You know, I, I was just trying to figure it out because I wanted it so bad. And you think about it and I, you know, I was an athlete. Kai was an athlete. We, I, I just was like stuck on wanting a child that had my genetics. Mm-hmm. And I feel like such a shallow person saying that I couldn't imagine not having the son we have now. And he's not our genetics. So, but I think he's perfect. He's so perfect. He's, and everybody says he looks like my husband. It's so, (laughs) and which I think he does too. But, you know, and I think those are little things that you have to go through to get to the point where you're at. And those emotions and feelings, they have to be something you, you really dive into because. If that's all, if you, if you haven't gotten over that, but yet you go to adopt, you don't want to have any resentment towards the kids you have. Mm -hmm. You don't want to love them less. Right. So you really have to come to grips with those feelings and those emotions and understanding where they're coming from and things like that. So, you know, I was stuck on that for so long and I finally was like, we can't afford it. We just, 
I can't do that. I'm, I'm not willing to put myself in such catastrophe <laughs> to try to have a genetic child when we could, there's so many kids that need parents. So I got to that point. So we started with an adoption agency in like November. Can you go through, before you talk specifically about the route you all chose, can you go through the different types of adoptions? Because I know that you briefly talked these over with me and it's just some, it's so hard to wrap your head around if you're not in it like you guys were. Yeah. Well, in that process, like the different types, you don't realize until you actually like look into it. So if you never met anybody that looks into it, like, you wouldn't even know. And then some of them are obvious, right? You have like your international adoption, which is obviously out of the United States. You have your domestic, which is in the United States. And then you can do like a private adoption, which is through an agency and they kind of coordinate everything with pregnant mamas. Then you have your foster care adoption, which could be an older kid through that's in the foster system. You can also do like the foster system with a newborn. So, you know, if the, if the baby gets taken away from the parents in the hospital and goes directly to the state, if it's a newborn, they normally go through a list and call people to take the newborn. And a lot of times it's people that want to adopt. Basically it's like they foster to adopt that Mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. And then you have an open adoption, which gives the birth parents whatever you agree on type of communication so if it's like a picture or if it's a call or a visit or whatever you kind of agree on that before you go through with it then you have closed which is you know you once it's finalized you're you don't have any communication with either of the birth parents or their families i think that's Basically, I mean, obviously there's little details in all of them. Right. So, and the one you guys went with was private. Yeah. At first. Well, yes. Okay. We'll get, yeah, let's get into that. So <laughs> let's talk. Oh my gosh. I know this could be the entire podcast. What were your experiences with the adoption process? What did it look like? What types of obstacles did you run into? Like the mic is all yours, Allie. <laughs> I wish everybody could see my face right now. (laughs) I could put it up. (laughs) Screenshot. (laughs) Where do you want me to start? (laughs) So my, I think my number one thing when I was, when we were kind of looking into, and I will say Kyle was great, but he kind of took a step back. He kind of let me make the decisions because that's kind of how our relationship works. Sometimes I'm a little controlling (laughs) and sometimes I don't even give him the option Um, So he kind of let me take reins. Like I said, he's very laid back. Like he didn't, he didn't care as much as I did on some of the details. So my biggest thing was I wanted a closed adoption. Mm -hmm. I think, and, and, you know, everybody has different reasonings for what they choose. And mine was, I, I just think it would be too hard on the child. And, and that could be for me and my personal opinion that would stress me out. I know open adoptions work for a lot of people and I know that they can be really beneficial, blah, 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 blah. But that's, that's the first thing I I chose. And in order to do that, you kind of need to go through a private agency. So we went through, we started our process with the agency in November of 2021. Holy crap. There was so much paperwork. Like I'm not kidding. When I tell you it took us almost four months, four or five months Mm -hmm. just to get the paperwork done. Like, background check. You have to give them all your financials. You have to do fingerprints and um, you have to go through classes and all this stuff. Like so much paperwork just to get your home study started, not including all the fees that they charge you to do all this. Mm-hmm. We start probably start our home study process in December or January. And that takes six months. And I think states are different. So you'd have to look in your state. What's the law? Um, but it's like, it it takes six months to approve a home study. You have to go through a visit. You have to go through, they have to look through your house, make sure they have all these little checklists. You have the safety checklists. I remember you stressing about all the safety checklists. (laughs) Yeah. Cause our house right now, our house is old. And like, there's a lot of things that I'm like, Oh my God, we got to do this. We got to do this. And like, I was so stressed. Cause I was like, if we don't get approved, I'm going to be devastated. Mm-hmm. So I was over the top and 
it, it was just so much. And if whoever's listening doesn't know what the, a home study is, I don't even know how to explain it. It's basically them going into every single detail about your life, making sure your house is safe enough, making sure they even do like a psychological type mm-hmm. interview with you, making sure you are appropriate. They You have to go to a doctor, get them to, to sign off that you're healthy enough to adopt a kid. So it's a very in, intrusive six months. And, you know, my husband gets very mad, you know, when you have these, you know, kids that go to these houses of, you know, they're born into drugs and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, these people can have kids and like nothing gets done, nothing gets checked. Like, and it took us, we're good people this long to like, just say, Hey, you guys are good enough to have a child. It's almost like on the other side of it, you're innocent until proven guilty, but on the adoption side of it, you're guilty until proven innocent. And they are going to dig into every single thing. Yeah. And and I get it. Like, I understand why they, they are so intrusive because they want to make sure they do have good people for these kids. Like I get that, but it's a little much like it's, (laughs) and it's expensive. And and I, and I was, it's like one of my big things is I feel so bad for people who want to adopt, but can't afford it because that's mm-hmm. a real thing. And I've probably talked to, cause I'm so open with my story. When I go to the hairdresser, when I go it to like my niece's b- basketball games, people like come to me and ask me and talk about it because it, it's, it's not, not talked about enough and it's, it's so unknown to people how expensive it is. So when mm-hmm. you go to do it, you're like, whole, like, we're still like, I can't believe how much money we spent. Like mm-hmm. we were not expecting that. And I get having a baby being pregnant, like it's expensive. So I don't, it's, it's hard probably nowhere near though, Allie, nowhere near what you all paid. I know. And I don't, it's hard to talk about it because I don't want to sound ungrateful and I don't want to complain about it because I know, you know, I've had lots of friends that have had you know, two, three kids and I get hospital stays, all that stuff is expensive. So there's costs in each side of it. It's just the way the system works is what is really mm-hmm. sad. Right. Um, and these people not being able to afford, they're like putting their houses up to be able to afford this, you know? And that's just like good people that just, thankfully I knew you know, we have money saved, you know, because of my, you know, my dad had left us some money from, you know, he passed away. So like, I, I had, I was lucky. I had things that I could, I had money saved. I, you know, little things that we used in order to afford it Mm -hmm. and it didn't completely drown us, but these people that can't afford it, it just makes me sad. And I've said it before, (laughs) if I had more will and I don't know, I guess not time because I have time to want to change the world like you. <laughs> That's something I would go after is like making adoption more affordable. But it's it's like, what do you do? Like, how do you even start that process? I know it's it's almost overwhelming. It's paralysis by analysis when you really start to dig into all of it. But what you have to remember is it's no different than what I talk about with motherhood is our obligation is to the responsibility we have within our own home. And while you may not be able to fix the entire system, you did fix your son's entire life and completely changed his life. And it'll be a hundred percent night and day different because of the decision that you and Kyle made. So that's what you have to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. It, I try to, I try to, I guess I'm just a very empathetic person and I, I really feel what other people feel. So it makes me sad because I wish I could help more people and I wish I could change the court system and like maybe make them force, you know, some type of funding for just the court cost. Mm -hmm. Like our biggest expense was the lawyer. Let's go. Okay. So your home study, because I'm following the path in my mind, but I know that they don't know the whole story. So your home study was January, basically January 22 into the summer. And then you guys pa- passed, quote unquote, <laughs> you passed your home study. And then what was the path like after that to actually getting your son? 
So basically the way the private, our private adoption agency worked is moms came to them who were pregnant, who wanted to, who knew they wanted to give their child up. And a lot of times there's two reasons that they, well, I would say three reasons. One reason they do this is because they want to choose who gets their child, right? They want to have that choice. They want to have options. A -hmm. second reason is they want an open adoption. They want to be able to have that communication with the child. That's what I saw a lot of when we were getting these, they call them profiles of these moms that are pregnant. And then the third one, and and this might just be an assumption. It probably is, but I'm going to say it anyways, that, that they wanted their pregnancy paid for. So basically assume let's say there's they send us profiles every other day probably one to two people one to two people one to two people and say that you are like i want i want to submit my profile to this one so you submit your profile to them that mom depending on how many profiles she got will choose a profile she wants to meet with and if she agrees then you match they call it a match then you match with that mom Well, depending on how pregnant she is, if she's three months, six months, you have to pay for their living expenses until they have that baby. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even learn this until after we went through ours up to two months after two. And uh, that might be just be Ohio um, with the afterwards. But so, you know, it's sad because the these babies were coming with these price tags right? Right. Tell you at the bottom of the profile, the estimated price. And one reason we chose our adoption agency was because they were out of Ohio. And we're like, we knew that out of state adoption was a lot more expensive than in state. So we chose this adoption agency from Ohio because we're like, okay, they'll get us more Ohio people, right? Wrong. Probably eight out of 10 profiles were from California. Mm-hmm. If y'all don't know the prices in California, <laughs> they are outrageous. So their prices were like a hundred grand because you had to pay for that living expense. And then the the kicker at the end is if they go to have this kid and they keep it, you don't get that money back. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. And our, I don't know if it was, it was somebody we talked, I don't know if it was somebody in our agency we were talking to, or if it was our social worker, her and her husband went through this three different times and every time they kept the baby. So I was like terrified. Right. I couldn't imagine like, and it's sad because you think of it in money and you don't want to think of a child in money. Mm-hmm. But that's, you have to, like, you have to consider that. Cause like you said, you're going to drown yourself just trying to provide this opportunity. Right. So I will say from, we were approved in June. Now we had, we almost had a baby in July that was just through a friend. It was her cousin and blah, blah, blah. But uh, the baby was born in West Virginia in the process. It, it, it was so hard to get a hold of anybody to try to get anything moving. So I'm assuming that baby just went into the foster system. I don't know what happened. So sad. It is because it's, it's very hard to get communication with people in the mm-hmm. social services industry when it comes to like the foster system. Um, so after that, I would say for the next, what was it? August, September, October, November, December six months, we probably submitted to one person. Um, and I think she was out of Kentucky and she didn't pick us. Mm-hmm. So it, it was, it's just a big waiting game. Um, there's also in, I'm not going to go into like too much detail about this aspect of it. There's also stuff that you have to choose. Like, so, and it sucks. And I hate saying it. It's so hard to say it because it makes me feel like a bad person. And I know I'm not It's a the reality person. of this process though. No, it, absolutely not. You have to choose what you don't want basically. And there's a list you go through and you know, that list di- dictates who you're allowed to adopt and who you're not. So you have to be careful of what you pick. You have to think of things that could be wrong, you know, and it's like, are you willing to, you know, have a 
disabled child? Like, how is that going to affect your life? Mm-hmm. So, and it's hard because you don't want to do that because if we were to have our own child and it was disabled, we wouldn't think twice. Right. You know? So those are really, really tough situations. And even to this day, it makes me sad. You know, it makes me feel bad to have to choose that stuff. So that was a really hard part too. I know that, and obviously protect your privacy as much as you need to, but how did it end up coming about that you got the call? Because I know it happened, ended up happening rather fast. How did you get the call and share whatever you feel comfortable with when it came to that moment actually happened? Oh boy. I like literally can remember it like it was yesterday. And, and you I, had the baby room ready for so long. I remember that. And we had the, and, and I have the worst memory. I'm like, have the worst memory of all time. But I remember like, I've had, I had the nursery ready. You know, we were slowly buying things because mm-hmm. you never know when it would happen. Um, So you wanted to be ready, blah, blah, blah. So we had, we thought we had everything ready, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and all right. So when I, we got the call, it was my birthday and you know, it's which I still say to this day is a gift from your mom and dad. I still stand by that. Oh, it's so, it's so crazy to even like say that, like, how does that even happen? So I basically had given, when we were working with our adoption agency, we made this profile and it's two or three pages long. It talks about where you live, who you are, blah, blah, blah. Talked about our dogs, all this stuff. Right. Um, and you use that to give to these moms. So I, another part of adoption that people don't understand is like, you can go and, you know, give your profile to hospitals and doctors and tell everybody, you know, because that's still option. That's still an option. Like you don't have to do it through the people your agency sends you. Your home studies approved. That means you can adopt wherever you want. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had given my profile to the local hospital um, to the social services lady that works with the women's services. So she oversee, they oversee like the labor and delivery, all that stuff. And I got a call. So it was my birthday. And I remember my brother texted me happy birthday and he's like, Oh, happy birthday. And I was like, yeah, it's just another day, you know? And afterwards he's like, you'll never say that again. <laughs> and I was at my gym. Um, I had training clients and, it was about three 30 and I got a message and the lady was like, call me right now. And I was like, Oh no. Like, what is this? So I call her and she says, I have a baby for you. And I was like, shut up. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm like pacing the gym back and forth. My heart's like going a million miles an hour, but I'm like, I don't even know what to do right now. And I'm like, so she's telling me some of the details. Um, she came in for her pre-op because she was having a C-section. It was her fourth kid. She was, she came in for the pre-op. Basically the people were like, Hey, like, what are you naming it? What is it? And she says, I don't know. I'm not keeping it. And you know, they're like, Oh, like, do you have something planned? Like, what are you? She's like, no, I was just going to tell them I didn't want it. So they're like, you know, you can talk to like the social services lady and she has families that like you can look and like pick. And she was like, Oh, Okay. So she goes up there, talks to the lady and picks our profile. And oh she gosh. said that she liked Kyle's name because it was her boyfriend's name, something. <laughs> and then she liked that we didn't have any other kids. So there are certain details moms pick out. Right. They, you know, so and I think she said she liked that we were like active, something of the sort. So she picks us. So then the lady calls me and then she's like, I'm, I'm sitting here with her. And so we go over some of the details, um, the dad situation, stuff like that. At this point, the dad situation was, I told him it was his, he said, it's not his, but I know it's his is basically how that conversation went, but she couldn't get a hold of him. So there was really no contact information for him, blah, blah, blah. Um, so basically they're like, okay, you need to call a lawyer. You need to get your car seat ready. This baby's being born tomorrow at noon. Oh, I'm like, tomorrow. My goodness. <laughs> so I immediately call Kyle 
and he's driving home from work. And at this point he worked an hour away. So he had a long drive to think about it. I'm like, Hey, we're getting a baby tomorrow. We're not saying no. And I'll see you whatever half hour. Allie's like, we're not saying no, we're going to take this baby. (laughs) There's no saying no here. (laughs) And he's like, okay. And he's like, quit freaking out. He said, we knew it could happen like this. And I'm like, I know, I know. I was like, but like, I got to call the lawyer and I got to do this and I got to do this. You know, Kyle, just being his calm self gets to drive home from work and just <laughs> let me do everything. And so my, it's funny because my training client walked in and he like was hearing this conversation and he starts crying. Oh, I know. Your and, people love you so much. Yeah. They love the, the baby too. Like it's crazy. So basically I still trained that night and I had the car seat technician. She lived like over the hill from the gym. She came in and installed our car seat for us. Cause I'm like, I want to make sure it's done right. And I hadn't even Absolutely. looked at directions. It was still in the box. <laughs> and Kyle's parents, this is, this is funny too. Cause this never, they don't ever just randomly stop at the gym. Right. They like, if Kyle's mom comes right now, she's normally coming to pick my son up. And they just randomly stopped in the gym. But so I got the call at 3.30 and I had a group training at 5.30. They had stopped at like 4.30. Like they both just got off work. They stopped to give me a birthday present. And they're just sitting there. And Carl, my client, is just not about what is happening. That's just, he just doesn't just stop talking. And I'm like, well, if Carl would stop talking, I would give you guys some really good news. And they're like, what? I'm like, we're getting a baby tomorrow. And his mom's like, What? And his dad's like, are you sure? He's like, that's awfully soon. Are you sure that's okay? And I'm laughing because I'm like, yes, Ed, like it's it's (laughs) like tomorrow at noon. Like we got to be at the hospital at 1030. And they're just like, what? Like, and we're all just in shock. Right. So basically that's how the call went. We did that. We get home. I'm like, we got to go to Walmart. We got to get this. We got to get this. We got it. So we're in Walmart. We're spending like $500 on stuff we didn't even need right then and there. I'm like, we didn't even need this. Why? why It's so hard as a new parent. You have no idea what you'll want or what your baby will like. It's a gamble anyways. Yeah. And I will say, like, I was very hesitant on telling people because at that point, you're still nervous that the mom could keep the baby because she still has that option. You know, sometimes that happens. But I, I did like tell my siblings and I told some of my close friends and they're like, what do you need? What do you need? I'm like, I don't know. I said, I don't even know what gender it is. Right. Um, you don't know how much it weight, how much they weigh. You don't know, you know. So we do that and I'm laying on the couch and I'm talking to the dogs. I'm like, all right, girls, this is your last last night. I was only children. Like, And they are some spoiled dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I could just, I just remember laying on the couch with him and like, yeah, I couldn't sleep. I ended up getting up the next morning at like 5 a.m. and went and ran and worked out. So I was like, I can't yeah. sleep. So yeah, I mean, that was like the call. And do you want me to keep going? Yeah. So you it's showed up whole- at the hospital in the morning. Kyle's mom came with us. She was all excited. Um, we walk in and we had our own room. We we have some friends in the hospital, so they had decorated the room for us, and so sweet it was. It was really sweet, and then it was just like a waiting game until she went in. Now we did get to meet with her, and sometimes you do. It just kind of depends on what they choose. So we met with her. We talked to her for like five minutes. Um, she was awesome, super nice. It was it was kind of a weird experience, you know, but like very humbling, you know. And she was she was just a nice person. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were very, very grateful for her because, and and I'll say this and I'm not sure, I don't know. I never know what's appropriate to talk about (laughs) because the reality of it is where we live and in West Virginia, one out of every three babies is born on drugs. And that's including like normal people having kids. Like, Mm -hmm. so we were grateful because that didn't happen. And we were expecting that. We were expecting any downfall from that. We were expecting, you know, longer hospital stays, Mm -hmm. some of those things. So we were very, very grateful that that wasn't the case for us. Yeah. Um, So she goes in, we're in the C-section room with her. Wow. Yeah. She said we could be in there. I think I knew that. 
you did it. I don't think I knew that you got to be in the OR. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, we're just like waiting and I'm like so nervous and I don't know where to look. And (laughs) and like the doctor holds him up and him and they're like, we're like, what is it? What is it? Like we couldn't tell. And he's like, you can't tell it's a boy. And secretly deep down, I wanted a boy. I will. I'm going to admit that because I just find myself as a boy mom. If you guys knew me, my sister has three girls. I don't know if I can handle a girl. (laughs) Um. So, and then we got to be in the room with him when they were doing all the vitals and stuff. And then we got to go to the nursery with him. She did not want any, she didn't want to hold him. She didn't want any pictures. And then afterwards when we were in the nursery, um, the social services lady came in and said, Hey, she wants a picture of him, but then she wants a picture of you guys too. And we're like, that's fine. Whatever she wants is fine. And that's basically the last time we've ever had communication with her. Mm-hmm. So, and then we stayed in the hospital that night with him. We got to leave the next day, which was great. I'm like, get me out of this place. I don't know how y'all do it for more than like 24 hours. And yeah, we got to bring him home and we were leaving. (laughs) Kyle laughs at me. We were leaving the hospital. I'm like, they're letting us walk out of here. This isn't even our kid. (laughs) He's like, Allie, everyone feels that way. Even when it is their biological child, they're like, man, is someone going to catch us? Maybe this is not what we're supposed to be doing. Leaving with this little human. Yeah. I was like, um, what do we do now? (laughs) I don't know. It was, it it was a whirlwind, but I will say I would never like the way it happened was great. Like the way it, it was so fast, but it didn't give me time to worry. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I was nervous and it was very fast, but I was like, I don't think I'd want it to happen. And obviously I would let it happen any other way, but I'm like, that was a perfect scenario we literally got the call on the seventh and we were home by the ninth and yeah and there's a, there's a couple of things I wanted to like really hit on because the after birth process for me was so different than anybody else right people ask me oh how was this how was this and I'm like you can't compare because I didn't have to recover from birthing a child I didn't have to recover from hormones I owned my own business my biggest worries were how do I shut my gym down for a week? Cause mm-hmm. I don't have anybody else there besides me, mm-hmm. you know, like, am I like my clients understand, but I'm like, I still like have this business to run. And I'm like, am I a terrible mom for bringing my child to work at a week old? <laughs> <laughs> they you know, loved it. Like I my, know they ate it up, but that was like one of my biggest concerns was yeah. like, and, you know, and everybody else is more concerned, you know, breastfeeding and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh my God, my, my poor kid didn't get very many cuddles because I had to go back to work and train people like, but I think back and like, I wouldn't change it because I think it made him who he is. And he kind of just went into our lives and it made me, I think it helped me be a little bit more stress-free when it came to parenting. Um, but and I'm a, I'm a very like, go, go, go person. And I was like, I don't know what I would do if I had to sit home for three minutes. <laughs> I was like, I would go insane. How do you guys do it? Sometimes we do. We go a little insane. <laughs> Gosh, I couldn't. What, so looking back at that time, that 24 hours after you brought him home, what advice would you, or like, what would you say to a mom who's in the adoption process, who's mentally preparing herself for that moment of bringing the child home? Oh, it, it, that's hard to answer because every process is so different, but I would just say live in the moment for sure. Don't think about, you know, what didn't happen or could have happened or live in the moment and really be grateful and like, just be present, you know, be present. And I will say, and I don't know if you've ever talked about it, but I know I've talked about it with some of my friends is like, I did not have that instant connection with him. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it happened so fast that I didn't have time to prepare my like heart, not my heart, mm-hmm. but like that maternal instinct, because I, I read stuff, but I didn't like fully prepare. Like Mm -hmm. I Googled a lot. (laughs) Like the enemy, Allie, Google me. (laughs) I know, but I I leaned on my friends a lot because I didn't, like I said, I just, 
you, I guess if you found out earlier than me, you would have more time to like really prepare. Like I had all the intentions of reading those books and blah, blah, blah. But I just never really like put it out at the forefront because it, I didn't have a specific time. Mm -hmm. So I think I was, I was, I was definitely unprepared, not, not prepared at all. Um, But I think that actually helped me not overthink things. So I would definitely tell, I would definitely say you've got to do what's best for you and your baby. And it's okay if it takes time to really have that deep connection, because even my friends who've had their own kids have said, yes, it takes time for that to happen. And it, sometimes it happens automatically. And then sometimes, you know, it just, it takes a little bit of time and that's okay. So that, and that happens in all different situations. A Mm -hmm. mom, you got to think you were trying to prepare for a connection with a child that most moms get nine months to prepare for. And you got about 19 hours (laughs) to prepare to, you know, have this child a part of your life and connect with them. And moms still struggle with it. Even, you know, going through pregnancy and delivery and with all the hormones, I think what's cool though, because I talked to a lot of moms about this, who I interview on the podcast is What's cool is even a mom who maybe didn't always visualize herself as a mom or doesn't feel like she lives for motherhood still says at some point in time, it clicks and those instincts just kick in. And it's so incredible. Just the moment where you're like, yep, I was meant to be here and this is my purpose. Yes. And I think one thing I left out in the beginning was the reason my mind, the reason my mind changed about kids is because I met Kyle because I met my husband and like the relationship I had with him was so different than anything else that I knew I wanted to raise kids with him. Mm -hmm. And even if he didn't care either way, like you should see him now, like, Oh, he he lives for the dad role. I love it. Yes. Thank gosh. We have a boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would love to see him with a girl that would probably soften him up a little bit, (laughs) but yeah. And and I think that, you know, when I was in my twenties, I was very selfish, you know, I was very lazy and I still am lazy. And I know you probably, no one probably sees that side of me, but like, I like to sleep. I like to do what I want when I want to, when I want my husband and I love to go to concerts, lots to just get up and go do things without having, I mean, we always had to worry about the dogs, but, um, and I like my lazy time. Like, so I guess I was very like, Oh my God, like, what if I don't sleep? And like, how, how am, how is that going to change me as a person? Because I like who I am, but thankfully my kid sleeps. (laughs) Maybe he just knows that mom needs sleep. You're lucky, Allie. You're catching this this recording on a good day because Carter slept till 5.30 this morning, which is sleeping in for him. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about his sleep because I don't I don't want to make you feel bad. We're not gonna jinx it either. We're not gonna jinx it. No, we'll we'll go on. I because I do have a good question. This is for me. This is for anyone listening who Maybe we'll never go through an adoption journey. Okay. But they're listening. First of all, I think it's cool to just hear your story. That's number one reason. I just think everyone will love this podcast. But second of all, if they interact with someone that is going through this process, whether they're in the waiting period, they have a family or like they have a mom, they know that they're going to be receiving a baby. And obviously I know that there's rarely a guarantee there, or they have recently adopted a child. So if, if a listener is interacting with someone that's in the middle of that journey or is on that journey themselves, what are things that, that, you know, people said to you or gestures or gifts, like looking back, what meant the most to you being in that position? I'd probably say, and, and you, I've thought about this question a lot because that was a hard one. That's a, that's a hard one for me to answer, but I think the number one thing was people asking how it was going you know, how's, how's that process going? And I know I had a friend it, and this was literally three days before we got the call. My friend was having a gender reveal party at her house. And one of her friends that I don't see a lot was asking about it. And then I was talking to her husband and he's like, I don't know if I should ask because I don't want to make you like, I don't want to keep bringing it up because I know it's it can be a sensitive subject, you know, because the waiting is awful. It's and it's already so and, and it's consuming. hard when you have friends pregnant and stuff like that. And I was like, no, I actually appreciate people asking. 
Yeah. So I guess that was definitely the, the asking how it was going was good. Um, cause there's really nothing else that you can do in that, that process. Um, telling, you know, I told people, Hey, like if, if you know somebody that is pregnant or they're having issues, like keep me in mind, you know, me and my husband are trying to adopt. So if, if they need to give their baby up or if they know somebody like keep us in mind, you know, because at that point they know who we are and they know we're good people. So maybe they would choose us over other people. So that's another thing is like just putting your name out there and really like putting yourself forward and open to people. And that's why I like to talk about it a lot, like in the hair salon and, you know, some on social media, because it gets you, it gets you out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I will say when we got our baby, we were overwhelmed with the amount of just what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Gifts or just the general outreach or uh, the outreach of people. We, we were so overwhelmed with the outreach of everybody coming, dropping stuff off on our porch. You know, we got home from the hospital, you know, that second day and our, his whole room was filled with clothes that were already washed <laughs> for us because we didn't, Aww. we had, some stuff but I was like we don't have he was what seven pounds so I'm like we have no newborn stuff just the amount of you know support and people dropping stuff off at the gym and people I hadn't talked to you know and it was just so it, it was I don't know I was just so grateful it was it's it, it's a it, it shows you how much people care mm-hmm. it really does so that's definitely something that I would say to people, I don't know. And I guess some people might be a little bit more closed off about it. So maybe they don't want you to ask as much, but for me personally, I, I like to feel included, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you feel like an outcast. And, and I think a hard part for me was when we were at friend gatherings, listening to other people's birthing stories, pregnancies, kids was very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It was very upsetting, but I kept that to myself because that's not fair to them for them to feel uncomfortable talking about it just because mm-hmm. I'm there and it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. But it's it, helpful for them to at least acknowledge the journey you're on alongside their pregnancy, birth, delivery journeys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it, yeah, it's one of those things where if you have the right friends, you'll know. Mm-hmm. What would Allie of today Tell Allie of 2018, 2019. Oh boy. That everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to. And and I'm not a believer in everything happens for a reason. Now Mm -hmm. I think I believe in that in some things, but I think some of the bad stuff that's happened, I don't believe that. And I do believe like me not being able to have kids, like that happened for a reason. And I try to really see the positives in that. Like I didn't have to go through the body changes. I didn't have to go through you know, I'm a very like athletic go, go, go. So I think that would have been hard for me to be pregnant, like, honestly. So like, as much as it like pains me to like, not be able to carry a kid, I think there's also positives to it too. And I think if you can keep yourself looking at it that way, that that really, really helps. But, you know, looking back and knowing like, there's more steps in life that are going to happen that you just don't know yet. And you've got to trust that the work you're putting in for whatever that next goal or that whatever that next step in your life is, is there will be an outcome that is what's works for you and your family. And, and that's hard to see when you're in the trenches of whatever you're going through at that moment. It's really hard to see out of that, but it'll work itself out and with some work, you know, with putting some effort into whatever you need to do. And I think every, and you know, I like to ramble, but I think every life, every part of life has its own struggles. And, you know, kids might be our struggle now, but 10 years from now, it could be something else. Mm -hmm. So I think that just knowing that if you put the effort in and you put the work in, even if it doesn't turn out the way you think it should, it's going to turn out what it should be for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. What would you say now 
Okay. Because the adoption is finalized. Yay. Yay. We're so happy. Gosh. Everyone I told, I told her before we started recording, I, I've had this episode in mind since I thought of this podcast and thought of starting this podcast, but I was not going to bring Allie on until everything was finalized. So everything is finalized. That's super exciting. But now you have the whole journey start to finish. Basically the adoption piece of it isn't really behind you, but it is you, you get to have a little bit of ease of mind and just enjoy your son from start to finish. What do you think was the hardest part of the adoption journey for you? The waiting, not the unknown. Cause I'm such a control freak that not having control over any, I think waiting for sure, but then not having control over a, a lot of it. So, so our, our finalization piece didn't go as planned. It didn't go as smooth as some other people we know, which was very frustrating because it was so out of my control mm-hmm. that like, I'm like, what do I do? Like, how do I help this? But there was nothing I could have done. And that was very, very hard because you have to understand that the law is what the law is. You can't control other people. And so we, you know, we, we finalized what a couple weeks ago, we weren't supposed to, um, and it ended up happening and it was a surprise to all of us. Um, and we're so grateful because now, like you said, like the worry is mm-hmm. over because um, it, it's it's in the back of your mind. Whether you like almost 100% know you're, you're going to get him, there's still that little tiny chance yep. that you just don't know what could happen. So, yeah, the waiting and the, the non-controlling part of it. Now, we do want to do it again. <laughs> I love it. Well, I don't know if it's a we thing, but it's a me thing. So that's what's happening. So get on board, Kyle. (laughs) He doesn't have a choice. I mean, he does. Don't let me think, guys, I control my husband. I don't control my husband. But he, you know, he wants to do what makes me happy. And he's a great great dad. Um, So it's over. But now now we got to decide when we want to put ourselves back out there because it could take a month it could take a year right we just never know and and the costs the cost involved is definitely scary um mm-hmm. thankfully they're you know ohio just passed a ten thousand dollar grant so that's something we can apply for to get some of our money back and then you get some tax credits here and there so that helps um mm-hmm. it sucks that it's afterwards like i wish they would do that before you because you need it during not after right but um, once we finish building our house and get settled there and see what kind of money we have left, <laughs> we might start that process again. So that's exciting. It. It's still just as stressful. I mean, it's it's nice that you know what to expect, but every adoption is so different that it's like it could, could go completely different. Just like every pregnancy, every birth is different. Every kid yep. is different. Like you think you know <laughs> until it happens. So I'm, I'm going to be a little bit less stressed because I know how much out of control it is for me. So that'll help. And you'll have your son to keep you busy this time, which is such a blessing. Yeah. Okay. Let's pull it all together because I promised I wasn't going to take much of your time, but I also knew we would get chatty because this is how we are. No, you're <laughs> so, fine. He, he's, uh, he's just hanging out playing with his teddy bear in his crib. Oh so my goodness. it's good for right now. When you think back to the adoption journey, what is a message, something you learned? What's a message that you would leave with the Moms Working Overtime community today that's applicable to any part of motherhood? But I, I like to give my guests a chance to just say, is there anything you haven't said yet that you want to leave with these mamas? Oh, man. I guess like just repeating myself of living in the moment. And, and I know that's said a lot, but actually doing it. Mm-hmm. So there's a book I love called The Four Agreements, and I've read it. My Well, my dad made me read it in high school, and I did never, ever got anything out of it, right, until after he passed. And then I started reading the books he told me to read and actually <laughs> utilizing them. And it's it help, It does help. Living in the moment, you know, the little things that – and I'll say, I have the worst memory. So him as a newborn, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even remember, like, any of that. But, you know, like today – I had him in his little playpen because I was doing homework and he was kind of whining and I was like, you're fine. You're fine. You know, I can't pick you up every time you whine. 
And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go over there. So I went in there and I started playing with him. And he started putting this ball in this hole. And I'm like, when'd you start doing that? You know? So like, you know, living in the moment as much as you can. And I, like I said, I know it's easier said than done, but really like living by that and understanding that you can't compare your motherhood to anybody else's motherhood. Mm-hmm. And that's so hard to do. You always compare your kids to other kids. You always compare how you do things to other people. And I truly believe because my journey was so different that it made it easy for me not to compare because I'm like, I don't have a choice. This kid's coming to the gym with me for work. Like I don't have anyone to watch him. Kyle's yep. mom still works. I'm not taking him to daycare at two weeks old. So mm-hmm. he's going to come to the gym with me and like my clients get mad when he's not there. <laughs> I believe it. They're like, where is he? Why did I even come today? <laughs> Work out, not to babysit. <laughs> so I truly believe at first that was my biggest worry. And I was so hard on myself about it. And now I'm like, that's the best thing I could have done. The kid is around so many people that love him. And it's just crazy. The, the support that I get and to think that was my biggest worry you know? Mm -hmm. So you just can't compare motherhood because everybody's is different. You know, I was so worried I was going to be this mom who like, well, had to put your hand on the baby's chest. And we were talking about this with my friends and they're like, Oh my God. I like, I just have to make sure he's still breathing. And I'm like, am I a bad mom? Because like my kid sleeps all night. And I, I mean, I look at my phone every once in a while, but like, I guess that's, I don't worry about the things I thought I was going to worry about. Mm -hmm. He licks the floor at the gym. I'm like, hey, whatever. It is what it is, dude. I guess you're just going to feel that. I'm serious when I say, Allie, you'd be so proud of me. Carter will like put dog toys in his mouth and I'm like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now being pregnant. I'm like, I don't have the energy to get up and take that away from you. So you just enjoy that dog toy. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny. My clients are like, oh, oh, he's going to hit his head. I'm like, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> He's over there all day. He knows where it's at. It's fine. Oh, he's eating that off the floor. I'm like, oh, it's his. He can have that. It's fine. <laughs> but um, I will say the one thing with me is like, I was worried about the food situation too a lot. Mm-hmm. And because we're into nutrition and fitness a lot, I'm very, sh- not strict, but I'm a little stricter than most people with food. So that's something that mm-hmm. like, if you're a mom who has a belief, stick to it. Don't let anybody talk you out of what you believe in. Um, it's hard because, you know, Kyle's mom and dad watch him a lot. So I have to be a little bit more straightforward. And that's hard for Kyle. Cause he's like, Oh, they've raised kids before. I'm like, yeah, but I still can have this opinion about my child and they they have to be okay with it. That's just a part of life. I bring the food. It's not it's, feed them what I give you. How is that that hard? And, and they're fine with it. You know, they do great. And if they do a little bit of here and there, I'm not going to overstress about it. Um, but I definitely overthink that. But that's something that I'm very passionate about. So other things I kind of let go more. And then so that I guess that's my advice to other people is don't compare your motherhood to other people and what you believe in stick with it. And don't let anybody make you feel bad about it. It's been so fun. Allie, just from the beginning of our friendship and the personal development journey and getting to know you and Kyle so much better. And then watching you go through this adoption journey, we got our sons around the same time. I mean, we get to kind of go through early motherhood together, which has been so fun, but I just have loved watching you come into being a mom and it suits you. Like, even though you say it may have taken you time to bond and there's obviously been hiccups along the way. We all experience those, but from my perspective, and we all have to see each other from other moms' perspectives sometimes, I'm like, oh, they are just crushing it. This was meant to be. This is like he was meant for you guys, and you guys were perfectly meant for him. And I think it's so cute. Kyle's gonna listen to this. Maybe, maybe, maybe he won't. He better listen to it. But Kyle, I love watching you be a dad. <laughs> I think it's so sweet. He's so proud. But no, I just really appreciate you coming on here today. And I feel pretty confident saying this and Allie, you can, you can speak to it as well. But if there's a mama listening, who is considering adoption, who's going through adoption, who has adopted and just would like to connect with another mom who's been through something similar, reach out to me and 
I can connect you with Allie so that we can still help pr- protect the privacy of her family and her experience. But I think Allie, you would be more than willing to be a listening ear of support for anyone else that's going through this. Oh, a hundred percent. And I wish, I wish there was more availability of, you know, education for adoption, because I, I think when I went in, I was so blinded mm-hmm. and I really tried, but it's like, you have no idea. There's so, there's so many moving parts. Um, so there's definitely, I guess my number one would just be like, educate yourselves and really research who you're going through and maybe some of the laws in the state. Cause there's lots of things that got brought up that I wasn't aware of when it came to like state laws. And, um, but yeah, reach out to me. I'm, I'm an open book. I'm, I've always been an open book. I would love to, you know, help in any way I can. I've already had a lot of people reach out to me from different States, kind of asking different questions and advice and stuff. So yeah, I'm, you know, me, Elena, I'm open book, but don't do it. If you don't expect to talk to me for like 20 minutes, because I don't know. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you all for listening to another incredible interview on the mom's working overtime podcast. My reminder to you before we let you go today that I hope someone's already reminded you, but you'll always hear it from me is you're doing a really amazing job, mama. And we are always here for you. We will be back on Monday for another pep talk and we'll talk soon. If you loved this episode of Moms Working Overtime, do me a favor, share it on social media or send it to another mom to remind her that you love her and that she's doing such an amazing job. There's nothing more incredible that we can do in this community than remind other mamas of their strength. I'm so glad you were here today and just know that I appreciate you an overtime amount.